Turn in your Bibles this morning to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11 for the sixth installment in our series about faith, by faith, facts, myths, and miracles. Part six, we'll be discussing this morning, by faith, we come into agreement with God. Stand with me this morning for the reading of God's word. All right, when we came in, there were icicles. Now y'all are fanning. Which is it? Are we cold or hot? We can't make them happy, so turn the air on and just turn it on just cold. Let it blow chunks of shaved ice. No, I'm teasing. It's going to blow cold. And so when the girls, we'll just, it's the season. You know, in Macon, you wake up, it's 45 in the morning, and it's 90 in the afternoon. So give us a little bit of air, guys, and I'll prompt you in case we need some adjustment because it ain't the same temperature up there as it is down here. Okay. Hebrews eleven six, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. Who's him? Well, it's kind of possible. You can kind of please him. So is it our moral character that pleases him? Is it our works? I know it brings him pleasure, but what does this verse say? Without faith, without a firm, reliant, exclusive trust in the Lord Jesus Christ... God the Father and our relationship through Jesus Christ, you cannot satisfy God. Not just for salvation, but in your walk with him. He looks for you to believe him. So without faith, it's impossible to please God. For the ones that come to God must believe that God is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. One more time. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For you, when you come to God, you must believe that God is who he said he is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. Keep your Bibles open. Hebrews 11. Quick rehearsal and into the message. We've discussed the reality of faith. Verse 1. Now faith is. We've discussed the foundation of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. We've discussed the title deed of faith. It's the evidence of things not seen. We've discussed the testimony of faith. For by it the elders obtained a good report. We've discussed the wisdom of faith. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God and that which appears was made out of things that do not appear. We've uh, discussed the worship of faith. By faith Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than that of Cain. We've discussed the witness of faith. By faith, Abel obtained a witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. We discussed the walk of faith. By faith, Enoch walked with God and had this testimony that he pleased God. And we discussed the hope of faith. And Enoch was not, for God had took him. Uh, that was a precursor, one of the Old Testament examples of the rapture to come. God was pleased with Enoch. Enoch had faith. He walked with God and God took him. Don't let anyone talk you out of the great and the Bible says the blessed hope of the Lord's return for his church. It's not popular today. The church is shied away from it because we want the world to think we're sane. We want the world to think that we wouldn't fall for such foolishness. It's throughout the Bible. It's the blessed hope. It's called the hope for... Someone told me not too long ago, they said, Oh, that's just an escapist theology. I said, exactly. God doesn't just snatch you out of trouble. He brings you through trouble. Yes and no. 
Noah, he took through the flood. Elijah never tasted death. God just took him. Enoch never tasted death. He just took the Lord. I am looking at the return of the Lord, the second coming of God, the second coming of Christ first to the earth. There's the rapture and the revelation. The rapture of the church, bringing his church to him, and the revelation of Jesus coming back to earth with his people. So we've discussed those things by faith. And today I want to talk to you about coming into agreement with the Lord. Let's pray for just a moment. God, I thank you for the opportunity this morning to preach your word and to teach it. I humble myself before you and ask you to anoint me this morning. Let there be such a clarity and a revelation by your spirit that we would understand wondrous things in your word. Help us to see things that we've not seen before. Help us to see more clearly the things we thought we understood. And let us intentionally align ourselves with your word. May we bring into alignment. May we bring our bodies, our minds, our souls, and our spirits into alignment with your word and satisfy you thereby. In Jesus' name, amen. There's much said in Pentecostal charismatic circles over the years about coming into agreement, coming into agreement with one another. If two of you shall agree as to touching any one thing whatsoever you ask, God will do it. And yes, it's important to have your inner circle should be not just those of your blood kin, but those of like precious faith, coming into agreement. How can two walk together lest they agree? An unbeliever can't uh, be in relationship an intimate relationship with a believer because if you're holding hands and one is walking with God and one's walking away from God, they cannot come into agreement. It's impossible. Two can't walk together lest they agree. Our election process ought to tell you that two can't walk together <laughs> lest they agree. But what does it mean to walk in agreement with God? It's not, it's not manipulating God to come into alignment with you. It's making sure that you're in alignment with God. You are as close to Christ today as you want to be. And God's not going to change. He said, I don't change. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. And to bring me pleasure, you must do... This one verse is so pregnant with, with just, a, it's, it's just a few simple things, but it's so profound and so profoundly simple. How to bring pleasure to God by aligning ourselves with Him and with His Word. Okay, number one. If you're taking notes, to come into agreement with God, you must believe in Him. I am not talking about a mental assent. I believe that Jesus is Lord. The devil believes that Jesus is Lord. Belief in Him is not a mental or verbal assent to the reality of His existence. That is not belief. Belief is a firm, relying, exclusive trust in the person of God in the person of Jesus Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit. It means that I lean into, lean upon, depend upon, look to, follow, obey. Christ is Lord of my entire life. That's what belief is. So to come to God through Christ, God the Father through Christ, I must believe that He is, that He exists, that He is who He said He is. He's who he said he is, not my recreation of him. Preachers will say, the Lord is a gentleman. The Bible don't say he's a gentleman. 
says he's the Lord. He's God Almighty. That we should reverence him. And he's a father, but he's a Lord. I must believe he is who he says he is as he says he is. I'll give you one example, just one example. If he is faithful, if he is faithful and cannot, not will not, cannot fail you, fear is an accusation against the character of God. I must worry because you may not be dependable. It's taking the collar of God and bringing him from heaven and saying, I worry here because you're not dependable. So see, to bring God pleasure, I must believe that he is who he says he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him, which means trust him, depend upon him, search out his identity, believe upon and engraft themselves with. I'm, I must believe that God is. Faith is supposed to change the way you think, feel, act, live. It doesn't mean that difficult times aren't difficult. It means that my faith transcends, transcends my current reality and infuses it with perspective that comes from above. Don't confuse the facts with faith. I've taught on this often, but I, I try to rehearse it because the Lord adds people to our church that have never heard teaching like this. Don't lie about your situation, regardless of what charismatic Pentecostal people take. And I am Pentecostal, by the way, to my toes. Spirit-filled, believe in all the gifts, I'm all of this. But God doesn't get any glory in you lying. You say, well, I'm sick. Oh, don't say that. You need to be more positive. I'm positive I'm sick. I'm sick. But he's my healer. How can he heal me of something I don't have? If I'm not sick, what's he healing me of? You see? So the doctor gives you this report. He said, it's malignant. That's the facts. Don't ignore the facts. But the truth transcends the facts. The doctor says malignant. But the Bible said, by his stripes, I am healed. And that the Lord... Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. He forgiveth all my iniquities. Is there any sin he will not forgive? He forgives all my iniquities and healeth all my diseases. So the faith transcends, which means it overlaps. And even if I struggle physically, I do not enter into the worry of the facts because the truth governs my life. I believe that God is. God is my provider. Why am I going to worry about where I'm going to go, where I'm going to live, what I'm going to wear? The Bible said, look at the birds of the field. They're not, you ain't never seen no bird pacing. Oh, where's the next worm coming from? I ain't seen no worms. Do you see the ridiculousness of it? God said, look at the lilies of the field. They neither toil nor spin. And have you ever seen anybody dressed in such fine arraignment? When you drive over a, a, a hill area and you see this valley full of wildflowers and you stop your car and go, my Lord and my God. The Bible says not one sparrow falls to the ground with the Lord not knowing and you are worth much more than many sparrows. I do not worry about my physical body because the Lord is my healer. Now I struggle with it. I struggle with his physical body. I'm trading mine in for a new one. If there's any part of the resurrection I'm looking forward to, give me a new one. Ain't no scraps, no parts. Don't save no parts. If it don't hurt, it don't work. You understand me? When Kelly and I first got married, she goes, uh, Honey, do, do you know you moan in your sleep? I said, Yes. You'd have to know her. She's just so gentle. She, Why? Because I hurt. 
She goes, in your sleep? <laughs> yes. Can anybody identify with me? Just no reason. Just roll over. Oh, oh, oh. That doesn't mean I don't have difficulty. It means that I'm not going to worry because according to my days, so shall my strength be and the Lord is my healer, period. They let you go. Well, they can do what they're going to do, but that person that let me go is not my source. The Lord is my provider. I honor him with the first fruits of all I have and I will not stress. I don't know where the next door of opportunity is coming from. I don't know the next career path, but as the Lord liveth, I look at the birds, they're not stressing or worried and I will not worry because God is faithful. See, faith transcends. It brings pleasure to God. It's not that you're super Christian, it's that you're relaxed. No worry, no fear. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God with thanksgiving. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind. So I want to ask you, what part of be anxious for nothing don't we get? Nothing. Well, I'm going to pull the drape back. You ready? Watch. This is different. That's what we think. We don't say it because we're good Pharisees. This ain't what he was talking about. This is for real. And ain't nobody ever experienced this. You do know we're the first one whose spouse walked out. We're the first one who got the doctor's report. We're the first one that got laid off unfairly. We're the first one whose children are crazy. And we didn't raise them crazy. They became crazy. We're the first ones. So God gives us his word. He says, I'll never lie. It's impossible for me to lie. And I'm telling you, be anxious for nothing. So does that mean you're not concerned? Concern's not anxiety. Concern means I see what path my children are on in their 20s, and I come before the King of Kings, and I bow my knees, and I pray to you, and I will use my energy in prayer, not in anxiety. I'm anxious for nothing. Nothing. So are you the exception? When you and I, See, sin is not just drinking, overeating, sleeping around, partying. We think of those sins of the flesh. Sin is missing the mark. And when we choose to live in a way contrary to what God has told us about himself, we sin. I think worry is just as big a sin as gluttony or lust. And gluttony and lust, at least we're not calling God a liar. I'm amazed at the people that can quote passages, chapters of the Word of God and worry. I know this. I can't please him unless I believe that he's who he said he is. What if I worried about my salvation all the time? Oh, am I, am I saved? Do you think I'm saved? Am I saved? And you're like, what are you talking to people for? Am I saved? Pastor, do you think I'm saved? You're saved. Praise the Lord, I'm saved. You better stop talking to those people. What did he say? He says, for whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I will in no wise reject anyone that comes to me. Nobody. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth in him, firm, relying, exclusive trust in him, shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. See, the fact that I don't worry about my salvation pleases God. 
Well, work out your salvation in fear and trembling. Yes, but you're out of context. That's the word. That's scripture. Work out means work out the reality of what's already there. Work out. the How can I work out something that's not there? I am saved. I was saved. I am saved. I shall be saved. Now with fear that I disappoint him. And fear that I won't have reward in heaven. Fear that I would have brought shame to his name or lived under my potential. I work out. I squeeze out of my salvation good works to bring pleasure to God. I ain't trying to work out to make sure I'm saved. When Jesus saved, when Jesus died, and he hung on that cross, unrecognizable, naked and beaten, he said three words that set my heart at rest when I come to faith and I saw it. You can't see it till God opens your eyes and he grants you the spirit of revelation. He said, it is finished. And finished doesn't mean he's waiting on me to finish it. Finished. Moses, when the children of Israel were bitten by the snakes, a form of God's judgment, God told him, said, make a, a serpent of brass and put it up on a pole, symbolizing, you know, cursed was the snake, cursed on the ground. And whoever, uh, 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 cursed is the one that hangs on the tree. And so this brazen serpent on a pole symbolized today in the West by medicine and the cure. You know, the little symbol with the pole and the snake wrapped around it. So imagine Jesus being impaled on a stick. That's what it's like. He said, Moses, lift it up in the wilderness, and whosoever looketh shall live. All they got to do is look. One glance by faith of the eternal sacrifice, and it just healed them. Whatever had happened, they were well. They were well. We are saved. We are kept. We are provided for. We are protected. We are preserved because God is who he said he is, and he cannot lie. If I could impart anything to you today, it would not be a spiritual gift. It would be childlike faith. And I'm not saying this to boast. Listen, I'm coming into real parent awareness. Do you hear me? <laughs> Kelly's been gone to Trace Diaz for three and a half days. I've had the babies by myself. Now, Grandma's on call. I got her on speed dial, Jack. I can call and Grandma, like, I'll be right there. And she's taking them today. Three and a half days I've had them by myself. I am the man up in here. I'm sleepless in Seattle, but I am the man up in here. No sleep. No sleep at all. Oh, I appreciate Kelly so much. God bless Kelly where she's at. But I say this to tell you that it's intentional. You know what's the first thing I taught my babies? Not that I loved them. Before they could talk, Grandma will tell you, I sat them down. I must have said it a thousand times. I said, look at me. Daddy always keeps his word. Did I tell you we go to the dollar store? Mm -hmm. That's how daddy becomes a hero. Ten dollars will just fill up a bag of toys. Baby. <laughs> and they don't know the difference between cheap Barbie and $60 Barbie. Do you hear me? I can get five Barbies for five dollars. But it's not Barbie. It's kind of like Bibby or something. I don't know what it is. <laughs> And hardly a day goes by 
that I don't ask them to finish the sentence. Yesterday, we're going down to the shop to jump on the trampoline. And they said, are we going to still go? I said, of course we're going to go and tell me why. Both of them said, because daddy always keeps his word. If I, with limited strength, limited memory, memory, limited capacity, and limited resources can keep my word. I may not perform at a perfect level, but I can always do what I told them I would do. How much more God in heaven? I want my children to know if I'm nothing but a shadow of God, a reflection of God, I want you to know through your father what your father is like. I want you to live carefree and worry-free. If I'm breathing, I'll take care of you. If I'm breathing, I'll take care of you. And they're going to learn that daddy's flawed, but their heavenly father is not. People will say, I I find it hard adjusting to a father because I didn't have a father. How many of you are like that? Okay. The reverse is true. I want my children to slide so easily into the kingdom. They said, my daddy taught me who God is. He's not God. My daddy, John, has got some issues. He's not God, but he taught me who God was. And if you come to God, you must believe that God is who he said he is. He is who he said he is. He doesn't need a a, a group of people to vote on him or agree, he stands by himself. And I don't know who this is for, it's not in my notes, but listen to this. Jesus said, come unto me and learn of me, and you'll find rest for your soul. If you learn who I am, worry and stress and anxiety will fall away from you like those little flowers you used to blow as a little boy. (sighs) They come back, but all you have to do is say, I believe, I believe, I believe. And that brings pleasure to God. When my little girls tell me, Daddy always keeps his word, I say, say it one more time. Number two, we must know him. We must, well, let me go back. I'm sorry, real quickly. I was off of the notes. We must believe in him wholeheartedly, exclusively, unashamedly, we want to believe in him with our words, like the Virgin Mary, when, when the angel said, you're going to have a child, and she said, I've never even been with a man. How can this be? He said, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and the power of God is going to overshadow you, and this thing is going to be miraculous. It's going to be the hand of God. And she said, be it unto me according to your word. See, we believe in him with our words. We believe in him with our actions. Jesus told them at the wedding of Canaan of Galilee when they ran out of wine, he said, put the water in the water pots, and they filled all these water pots up, and he turned it into wine. I show that I believe him by doing what he said, even when it doesn't make sense to me. And we believe him. We come into agreement with God in our humility. When Lot began to separate with Abram, Abram said, you just pick, man. You know, there wasn't enough grass for all the cattle and and the lambs. And he said, you pick, it's okay. Because God had already told him, I'm going to give you, I'm going to bless you. And he, he just, he walked with God and he showed his faith. He said, it don't matter if you get the best of me today because God's going to give it back to me tomorrow. Go ahead. See, that humility, that faith, that's how we honor the Lord. Okay, number two, to come in agreement with God, we must know him. Not just believe, but know him. Process. Know his person. First person. I am able to encourage you and teach you and share with you, but I'm not your connection. 
That's like dating somebody through proxy. Have you ever heard of anything so weird? Be like me talking to somebody, hey, I think Kelly's real cute. Would you go out with her for me? Isn't that weird? There's something about that that's off. And people get in relationship with God, second person, all the time. And I can tell you about the Lord, but you need to know him for yourself. You need to worship him for yourself. You need to give to him for yourself. You need to be grateful to him yourself. First person to know his voice. He said, my sheep know my voice. Well, I'm not sure about his voice. Learn it. Well, how do I do that without missing it? You won't. How does your children know your voice? How do they learn your voice? Repetition. The gospel, I'm amazed at preachers, how they can make profoundly simple things profoundly difficult. How do you learn God's voice? By hearing it. And if you're not certain, sometimes, you know, do you all, any of y'all have friends that'll call you every four years and want you to know who they are? Like, you know, hey, who is this? And then they're mad at you because your number ain't saved. See all this new technology, it gets you in trouble all the time. I like it when it just rang. That way you didn't know who it was. You could say, who is this? Let me get back to my notes. Hold on, I lost it. <laughs> so how, people ask me, John, how do, you, how, how do I know God's voice? Do you know there's no way I could describe my mother's voice to you in such a way that if she called you today, you go, oh, hi, Sandra. How did you know it's me? Well, John told us what your voice sounded like. Are you, am I not so simple that it's amazing? That's amazing. Some people have profoundly deep pastors with great understanding. I'm like, when the phone rings. See, you just simple illustrations. How do you, how do you know your mom's voice when it rings? Because you know her. We bring pleasure to God by knowing Him, coming to know Him, recognizing His voice, His presence, knowing what His presence feels like. You need to be mature enough to discern between emotional sensations and spiritual sensations. What do you mean? Oh, I, I can walk into conferences or revival centers and they'll, you know, revival meetings and they'll play a certain style song and, oh, it just moves everybody. And a lot of it is they just like that kind of music. People vote what kind of music they like. They stand and clap with the stuff they don't like. If they don't like the other, they sit down. It's, it's pretty easy to, to monitor. Y'all didn't know I knew that, did you? They said, oh, the Lord was in that. Well, what they meant was they played four contemporary songs. Or if they play four Southern gospel songs and all the young people sit down, they go, the Lord wasn't there. And the other people just weeping and crying. What it is is they experience God during a dispensation of time, and those songs are connected to memories of when the Lord touched them. That's why I don't make fun of any of the styles of music because they learned the Lord's voice and they encountered him and experienced him in that way. But his presence is different than a feeling. It's a knowing. See, Saul didn't care that the Lord's presence had left him. And Samson didn't know that it had left him. So that's how I know the difference between somebody playing a song I like and the Lord being near me. And when you worship in spirit, we're not worshiped Worshiping because we've been motivated by a style. We are motivated by a substance, a reality that the Lord is near. And so it'll be in your car sometimes. Y'all ever have the Lord just come in the car? I don't know how else to say it, but just like, hey. And you're like, some of y'all Pentecostals, some of y'all are free Pentecostals. Both hands in air. Keep one hand on the wheel for everybody's sake. Just one hand. Love the Lord with your whole heart and hold on to the wheel. Drive. Some people ain't ready to go to heaven. Drive. 
and worship the Lord. I remember being in the mall one time, back when the Macon Mall existed. I remember I was walking through the mall one time, and just out of nowhere, the Lord just feels like a, 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 a water balloons dropped from heaven. You know, just no motive, no momentum, no nothing. Just push. And out loud I went, not here, Lord. <laughs> out loud, he's right here. And so I said, okay. So I'm 25, 26. Both hands go up, crying, crying. I'm walking. God, I just, I just love you with all my heart. And people won't bother you. <laughs> they walk up and go, oh! And they'll walk around and just, work. I just, so what are you saying, John? I'm saying in that point in my life especially, he wanted to create in me an awareness of his nearness that transcended everything else. Unashamed. Unashamed. Now, if you're looking to be the person in the mall for everybody to see, that's a separate issue. But when the Lord is near, it doesn't matter who else is near. To know his presence have you ever been in a hospital room by yourself, alone, concerned, troubled? They pulled the drape and they said, visiting hours are over. And all you hear is the beeping of that machine. And my Lord, my friend, walked through the doctor, through the nurse, through the drape, and said, I am right here with you. And all is well. His presence. I love that chorus. His presence is heaven to me because heaven's going to be filled with him. And he allows us to feel his presence, not only as a blessing, but as encouragement. What does the feeling prove? The true feeling of the Lord's presence proves his word. He said, I will never leave you. Not a moment. I am nigh you even in your breath and your words. I am in you. I am on you. I'm behind you, and I'm ahead of you. Where are you going to go out of my presence? If you make your bed in hell, I'm there. If you take up the wings of the morning, I'm there. Where are you going to go out of my presence? And the answer is nowhere, Lord. And if I believe that, what would I ever worry about? To know his voice, to know his presence, to know his word, the infallible word of God. How, how can I please him without knowing his word? To know it thoroughly. Nothing added. Nothing subtracted. To know it in context. To be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. Deceiving myself. To let his word become so much a part of you that it comes out spontaneously. The Bible says receiving with meekness the engrafted word of God. Let it stitch to the fabric of your soul where it's the first thing you respond with. Please Take this in the spirit I'm giving. I'm not complimenting at all myself, but I'm going to tell you some of my experiences as a pastor. I'll have someone come up after service uh, over the years, and they'll say, I just, when you're preaching, there's just so much of the word that will come out of you. That just is a blessing to me. And I take that compliment in humility, but I want to say, well, that's because I learned it. I carried three by five cards for years, stacks of them. For years, now I can't see a three by five card. I, have to, I do like that on the phone where you can say big text. Oh, oh, we're in revival. I can see this now. I, le I learned it because it pleases the Lord for me to know his word because then I can read the word back to myself and he can hear me telling myself God keeps his word. And I know how can I be 
have faith in his, God keeping his word when I don't know what his word is. I got to know what it is. The word of God purifies us, breaks us, prunes us, it stretches us, it proves us and matures us. We must know him. And to know him, you must walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Okay, just, just quickly, I'll, I'll save this sermon for later. There are many people in our church over the years, this is the first Pentecostal church they've ever been part of. We have people come to membership class and they go, this is an Assembly of God church? I say, yeah, I didn't know that. Why didn't you tell me? I said, well, you didn't ask. But it is. I believe I am spirit-filled. I pray in tongues all the time. I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. But I'm amazed at the people that have more allegiance to their denomination and their movement than they do to Jesus. The reason I don't wave the banner of Assembly of God because Jesus ain't Assembly of God. I mean, we happen to be, say, well, why are we a Assembly of God church? I'm glad you asked because when I got saved, I was in the Assembly of God church, and when I answered the call to preach, I was in the assemblies. And when I started this church, I was in the assemblies, and I never heard him ask me to leave. That really is it. My allegiance is not to a denomination. And you'll ask somebody, are you a Christian? I'm a Baptist. <laughs> are you a Christian? I'm a Methodist. I'm Pentecostal to my feet, and that with the burning fire. <laughs> Whoa. I mean, they got these little cliches, they'll tell you. And that with the burning fire. What? Fire don't feel good? You think, boy, the fire fell. That meant you was running around screaming. Just a thought. You know what the greatest need in the body of Christ is today? To be filled with the Holy Spirit and to walk in the fullness thereof. Greatest need. I don't believe that. Well, the scriptures are contrary to that philosophy. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, whose shoes are not worthy to untie. I indeed baptize you with water, but he he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Well, that died with the apostles. It wasn't the gift of the apostles. It was the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you a question. Just, just reason with me. And I know many of us were taught uh, that was for then and this is for now. Okay. Jesus Christ, same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay. He was the prophet. Is he still the great prophet? He was the priest, the great high priest. Is he still the high priest? He's the, he was the king. Thou sayest I'm the king. Is he the king today? He was the savior. Is he the savior today? Okay. He was the healer. Is he the healer today? Yes. He was the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Is he that today? Yeah. You can go through all that. Is he the baptizer in the Holy Spirit? Oh, no, he don't do that no more. This promise is to you and to your children and to your children's children and all who are far off, as many as the Lord God shall call. Be not unwise concerning what the will of the Lord is. Be not drunk with wine where it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. I remember sitting in my floor in my apartment, a brand new believer with my Bible open, brand new believer, and I said, God, while I was living like hell, my family was living for you. And I've got family over here that doesn't believe and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. And I got family over here that does. And I said, I don't know what to believe. But here's what I know. I've been filled with the devil all my life. And nobody had a problem with that. And I'm asking you to fill me. I want this. The Bible said, 
that this spake he of the Spirit, which was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. Out of his belly would flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Spirit. And I said, I want that. And by myself, with no one around, no preacher shaking me or simonizing me or telling me what to, to, to say, he just gently baptizo, immersion into his spirit, came out, and I have never been the same. Well, Brother John, I thought we get the Holy Spirit when we believe. We do. The earnest of the Spirit. He seals you. You, you receive the Spirit. You can't be any more saved. You have the Holy Spirit. But that measure, that impartation, that sealing was for you. It sealed you. It's like putting wax on an envelope, and he put his ring, and he sealed you. You are identified as his and there's no spirit getting out. That's yours. That's the earnest. That's the deposit that guarantees that you're saved. So what's the baptism of the Holy Spirit for? It's for them. It's for Jesus told his disciples, tarry till you be endued with power, not salvation, power. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is so that the spirit, we're saturated so that when we sing, we sing with a different anointing. When we teach, we teach with a different anointing. Our words have God's backing in them. And I want to please him by believing that he still baptizes his children with the Spirit. It's not an issue of uh, uh, people say, well, do you have to talk in tongues? Every spirit-filled believer can, but no, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to give. You don't have to serve. You don't have to love. You're, you're supposed to, but you don't have to. God doesn't stick his hand. This is what's... Can I take just a minute here? Is that okay? Here's what spooks people. They go to one, two Pentecostal services, and everybody's crazy. And they say, God made me do that. Like somebody just, just squirming all around on the floor and foam coming out of their mouth. And if you interview them, say, what, what are you doing? The Lord's purging me. Lord, don't purge me. Whatever you do, don't purge me. Or someone that just, they do this theatrical, do you see me? Do you see me? Do you see me? And say, that's, that's God coming on me. God made me do that. No, 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 no. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. God doesn't make you do anything. And weird is not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. What's the evidence of the spirit? It's not me falling out. It's me standing up and being a light and salt in this dark world. It's having a power that's not owned by John. It's not John's intellect or John's skill set. It's an anointing. It's God breathed. So that when I teach, I can reach you through God's spirit and God's power. I please him by walking in the fullness, by knowing him, by trusting him, by serving him, and by, being, by walking in the spirit. And finally, to come into agreement with God, we must be settled and current in our faith. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder. Of them that diligently seek him. And that word seek means this. That investigate him. That search out, inquire and require and worship him. Which means I'm ever learning. I'm looking into who God is. Diligently seek him is not harassing him till I get an answer. That's not what that means. He's a rewarder of those that are growing, understanding, stepping on that, growing to the next level, understanding, stepping on that, inquiring, inquiring and requiring. Ben, are you here? It's Ben. Ben Scott. Okay. I just didn't see you. Why, why are you so far in the back, man? I'm, I'm, just, I'm just playing with you. 
They don't know how to date me. That You knew I was playing, but they're like, oh, he just got on to me. Not really, I was just playing. We must be current in our faith. Inquiring and requiring. Now faith is. Today. There is no yesterday faith. There is no yesterday belief. There is no yesterday trust. I'm investigating the Lord 30 years in now. Are you really at that level who you says you are? I believe. Let's go. Let's do this, Lord. Stepping out, seeing his hand. We must come to him personally, in faith, expectant. And I want to take just a moment here. Expectant. Expectant. That means you're looking for. If I'm expecting something, I'm looking for it and I'm preparing for it. I'm expecting Jesus to come for me. Well, he ain't. Well, I'm expecting him to, and I'm preparing my house so that I won't be surprised in that day, like a thief coming. I want to be ready. And he said to pray always that I would be accounted worthy to escape the great and terrible day of the Lord. I believe, so I'm preparing. I'm preparing myself. I'm getting ready. The thing that you believe about God, are you expecting him to do? No brownie points. I'm just giving you examples. When I heard the cry of my wife's heart for children, it just broke my heart. I would, and it wasn't often, but I'd hear her in the other room. And it was just a soft moan. She said, please, Lord. And I would, as a husband, I'd go in the other room. I said, God, you, you can take 10 years off my life. Give her a baby. Give us, give us babies. And he gave me that word and said, you will not find your children. They'll find you. And I asked Kelly, and she's, y'all, she's, I know you know that she is, but she is such a wonderful woman. I said, Kelly, the Lord gave me this word. Let's put the nursery together. She didn't hear the word. But in submission, okay, we bought the pictures. Remember the little sale picture, Grandma, the pastel? We bought the the. the crib we bought the other stuff didn't buy two cribs didn't know about no two cribs so what does that look like to the world foolishness what does it look like to God he believes and he is looking for you to be expectant and prepared how simple is it you think it's going to rain you bring an umbrella if you count the odds and you, you get stuck, you go, man, and you park the farthest away from the mall and you just soak. And your wet clothes are evidence that you didn't believe it was going to rain. Or you didn't really care. You like wet clothes, maybe. What are you preparing for? What are you looking for? Is there any current faith preparing you? What's the motivation, John? Sum it up for me. Is it to get what I want? No. It's to bring pleasure to the Lord. It's to bring pleasure to the Lord. When he saw us put that nursery together, I don't think this is the way it happened, but it's kind of like this. <sighs> Give them two. <laughs> and throw a boy in two years later. <laughs> we have not because we ask not, and when we ask, we ask amiss. 
that we consume it upon our own lust. He's not looking to fill the quiver. He's not looking to saturate me with all that I want. He's seeing how many steps I'll take with him so he can reveal his faithfulness to me and prepare me for heaven. I don't want to adjust in heaven. Some of y'all going to worship for the first time in heaven. You're going to feel so out of place. I'm serious. You're saved. I want to be like the little kid that gets to the fair. We took our little girls to the fair. And, you know, some of them are just apprehensive. And the other, other little kids walk in. They go, yeah. Everything. Want to eat everything. Ride everything. Like, I live for this. Don't come now. Don't come around me in heaven if, if you're nervous. I'm telling you, when I make it home, finally, finally, I believe for this day all my Christian life. Oh, well, I don't know. Oh, he told me. He said, John, I'm going. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm coming again to receive you unto myself because where I am, I want you to be. And your father always keeps his word. By faith, we align ourselves. Close your eyes with me this morning. What do you have to do? What changes do you have to make? Where do you have to step out? What do you have to pull back? Are you in alignment with God? Are you walking with Him? Are you close to Him? Is it hand in hand? What are you carrying that He didn't ask you to carry? You're hindered and slowed down by so many weights and burdens that He didn't ask you to carry. Shed them all. Get in alignment. Get in alignment. Chiropractors tell us the problem isn't that big. I just need to get you back in alignment. Just line up the way I designed you to be. You'll know it'll feel right. It'll look right. It'll sound right. There'll be a levity to your step. There'll be a, a lightness to your soul. Come into alignment with me. Not Pastor John. Not a priest or a prophet or a, a rabbi or a bishop. Ignore them. Come into alignment with me. Your Lord, your Lord, your Lord. Oh, and the peace of God is going to fill your life and your heart. And I just feel in my heart the Lord telling me, he said, I told, I told you last week, anything's possible to the one that believes me. Anything. You just believe. You just believe. Virgins conceive when they believe, when they come into alignment. Anything's possible. There are people in this room that you're waiting on God and the Lord wants you to know He's waiting on you to come into alignment with Him. Because those that come to God must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him, trust Him, look to Him. A rewarder. Would you stand with me this morning? told you to be prepared. I want to speak this over you and let you go. Be prepared to wait. Many times God gives us a promise and we have to wait on the fulfillment. Be prepared to war. 
The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and violent people take it by force. Be prepared to persevere. Having said that, be prepared to receive. Be prepared to be surprised. Be prepared to be overwhelmed at the goodness of God. Be prepared to be fulfilled. And then be prepared. Set in mind right now. Reserve your songs. Learn your dance. When God comes through for you to shout His faithfulness to all who will listen. Yesterday, the Lord gave me a visual picture. It didn't fit in the sermon, but I want to close with this because He knew who would be here. So, completely change gears. Close that sermon up. I don't know who this is for. I just offer it to you in humility. Out of nowhere, the story came to my mind of, in the Bible where the woman was burying her son. And they didn't have them in caskets. They had them on like bamboo poles with bamboo across or it could be woven uh, uh, leaves or uh, vines. And they would carry the dead through the streets and put them in a tomb. And the Bible says that Jesus just walked alongside the funeral and touched the little boy on the beer, B-I-E-R. I think that's how it's pronounced. And he sat up and he said, here you go, mama. No record of him even being asked. No record of her being a believer or the boy being a believer. And I just felt in my heart there would be someone today, the Lord says, I'm about to surprise you for no merit of your own because I want you to know who I am. He's got your number. Be prepared for something to come back to life that you've never even asked him for. And that's going to be your sign. You didn't deserve a sign. You didn't deserve a sign. But it's for you. Father, we love you this morning. We love you this morning. Would somebody else do that with me? Just lift your hands. We love you this morning. We believe that you are who you said you are. You do what you say you're going to do. You are faithful. Faithful and true, oh God. May our lives reflect that faith. May we bring you pleasure by believing in all things, in every season. I trust the Lord. May that be our anthem. May they look on our face and see where there should be worry. We say, I trust the Lord. I shall not fear tomorrow. The arrow by day, the terror by night. I will fear nothing because I believe God. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your promises that are yes and amen. We thank you for your nearness. And we thank you for your faithfulness. May we bring pleasure to you. I know this sounds odd, but I just feel in my heart that some, there are people here that maybe you put stuff on refrigerators. I want you to put the words, may I bring pleasure to you. And every time you see it, say, what can I change? How can I align myself to bring pleasure to you? Be blessed today, oh Lord. Keep us, keep our families, keep us close. In the name of your son, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Have a wonderful day. God bless you.